time again for Doc Jacques, your Addiction Lifeguard podcast. I am Dr. Jacques de Bruckert, a psychologist, licensed professional counselor, and addiction specialist. If you are suffering from addiction, misery, trauma, whatever it is, I'm here to help. If you're in search of help to try to get your life back together, join me here at Doc Jacques, your Addiction Lifeguard, the Addiction Recovery Podcast. to be real clear about what this podcast is intended for. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes, but not considered help. If you actually need real help and you're in need of help, please seek that out. If you're in dire need of help, you can go to your nearest emergency room or you can check into a rehab center or call a counselor like me and talk about your problems and work through them. But don't rely on a podcast to be that form of help. It's not. It's just a podcast. It's for entertainment and information only. So let's keep it in that light, all right? Have a good time, learn something, and then get the real help that you need from a professional. There's an idea about healing the addicted brain that seems to just be so confusing and ponderous to people who are working on recovery. And they really struggle with the idea of like who they are, what they are, or how to become stable or normal, or they don't even know what normal is. And so as addicts, you, you, you stumble around, you try to figure it out, and you try to heal yourself, but your brain, the thing that's uh, causing you all the problems is the same brain that you've impaired with all the drugs and alcohol. So it's it's an interesting kind of phenomenon of asking somebody to get into recovery, but the same brain that's telling them that they want to use is the one that you're asking them to use or that they think they can use to somehow get there. So connectivity um, and connecting to people, because really recovery is a, is a group process. It's not an individual process. So how do you heal the addicted brain? Um, how can you even begin to heal the addicted brain if you're not in a process of recovery? I don't know. I've never seen it happen. And so <laughs> the, the, the idea of I'm going to, okay, I'm going to get sober or I'm going to stop doing drugs and then what? Well, my running thesis is that it's all about I feel uncomfortable, which means you probably were traumatized and particularly probably as a child. So healing the addicted brain really requires you to be able to calm down, settle down, calm the brain. And how do you do that if it's all jacked up on crack or crystal meth, fentanyl, alcohol, just washed in alcohol all the time? I don't know. I don't know if you can actually try to get there from there. Can you get there from here? (laughs) You can, but you're not going to do it by yourself. So the idea of how to get there and the process is so interesting and it eludes people the the you know the idea of surrendering over to your addiction means somehow weakness right so my formula is very formulaic get into rehab complete rehab discharge from rehab go into IOP intensive outpatient outpatient programming and live in a sober living house 
No matter what your situation is, I really think that's the best opportunity for you to actually get there. If you don't live in a sober living house, you're going to be going back to the living situation you were in previously, which was problematic. If you don't go to IOP and you discharge from uh, uh, residential treatment and you don't go to IOP, what are you doing? Well, you're pulling all of the things that you found helpful, comforting, supportive, the boundaries, the accountability. You're immediately jerking it away as soon as you get out of rehab. I'm, I'm going to say almost exclusively all of my clients who go to rehab and don't follow that process, almost all of them, and I don't can't give you the statistics. I didn't keep track. I didn't look back and see how many, but I'm just going to say almost all of them usually really struggle and fail. And if you, especially if you are physically dependent on a drug, you're going to go from physically dependent to rehab where you're supported, surrounded, and helped in close proximity to people whose only intention is to get help to you. And you're going to walk away from that and somehow be miraculously safe from any any of those of the calling for help or you know for for use of your drugs like the the calling is there right it's in your head so you're you're away from your safety net how in the world are you going to do that well you're probably not and so for those of you who are listening to this and have gone through the process and maybe you have actually successfully done it by not going into sober living or IOP or something very intensive if you did discharge from rehab you 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 probably can look back and you'll probably say yeah and I had like you know four accidents where I went out and used or I relapsed twice or whatever now that that could be just as easily the process that's followed by somebody who goes to sober living and IOP however it's probably not going to happen if you have the same amount of support so the so the, the, the thing that I've talked about before, about proximity results in connectivity. If you have proximity to other people, supportive people, people that really seem to care, your success rate goes way up in recovery because you have eyes on you and you have people that are aware of what's going on and they've gone through the same thing. And so your, your proximity to those people allows you to be accountable, but also be supported and to challenge you. And you know, when you live in sober living, in case in case you don't know what sober living is, I'm not maybe in the country you're listening to, you may not know, but here in the United States, um, sober living is a house with uh, many people living in it, like, you know, might have 8, 10, 12 people living in it, each one in various stages of recovery. Some have been there for a while. Some have just gotten there. They're usually people that have gone through at least one rehab stint. And sober living is communal living. You have a roommate. Maybe you have your own room. But you live in a house with a bunch of recovering addicts who are there to kind of help and support you in your process. And you have rules to follow. There's a curfew. There's also a leave the house curfew. You have to leave the house by, usually it's by 8 or, or 9 o'clock in the morning. And you have to be, you have to have a job. There's random drug testing. Uh, many times there's somebody who's actually living there with you uh, as a quote-unquote house resident assistant or house manager who's kind of supervising it. But you, all, you always have somebody that actually, you know, runs the house. They may not actually be there 24 hours a day, but they run the house. 
and you have rules you can't use if you do you're out um some some sober living houses have uh, a situation where if you're using you're not immediately out but they'll they'll counsel you they'll try to get you back into recovery some sober living houses that are attached to rehab centers also have uh, the opportunity to help you get from sober living back into treatment because maybe you're like half done you weren't fully baked when you got released and sent to sober living so you just you can go back and then get kind of tuned back up and then back into the sober living house because really the whole point is to be successful so that's what sober living is it's rules it's structure it's curfew it's requirements it's sobriety they also have mandatory meetings um some some houses actually have a mandatory meeting for everybody in the house others just require that you actually go to meetings and have a sign-off sheet that says that you're actually doing something to work on your recovery so the point of a sober living house is to get away from the people that are using and to get with people that are in recovery connectivity right so the proximity to those people is the connectivity and the connectivity results in a feeling of a group effort to get sober i'm not going to candy coat it some of the sober living houses will fall um somebody in the sober living house uses maybe they get someone else in the house to use with them and what happens sometimes is that person comes in they've been using all kinds of drama ensues resentment for the person who's using or it suddenly a domino effect of that person's using and they get the other person to use that's their roommate and then the other person that's a housemate uses and then pretty soon everybody's kicked out because they all tested positive it does happen and that is a perfect example of proximity uh and and the, the person who's not in recovery sometimes can have a fatal effect on everybody else there and it does happen unfortunately it does happen quite frequently but your chance of success of of getting sober if you're living by yourself that's always a problem uh success is low there if you are living with a roommate and they are not in recovery that can be a problem if you're living with your family and none of them are in recovery uh, that's a problem you got to get in proximity of people who are in recovery so again the formula i like residential treatment 30, 60, 90, 120 days, discharge, sober living house, IOP, discharge from IOP, individual counseling, working the steps, working with the community of recovered addicts, whatever it is, smart recovery, uh, 12 step, I don't care what it is, it doesn't matter, just, just get in the recovery community, and then work your program. You're really going to be successful if you do that. Trust me. You know, is it an easy straight shot? No, it's a zigzaggy line. Sometimes it's a broken zigzaggy line. But you're absolutely not going to do it just doing it on your own. That's why you went to rehab. So the idea of somehow you leaving uh, rehab and walking out the door and going back to what you know and living in that life and with that in that surroundings with the people and everything that you were with before eh, it's marginal at best um success of you doing it the other way my formula it works and it works well um 
So how, how is proximity going to help you heal your addicted brain? Well, why do we use? We use because we're uncomfortable. What makes us uncomfortable? Sometimes it's the uh, misery of daily living. Sometimes it's more than that. The foundation of uncomfortable is what really starts to gnaw away at your brain. And the idea that nobody's listening, you can't tell anybody, you can't talk about it, it's too painful, it's not something you really want to dredge up, it's, that's always there. Yeah. So you use because you're uncomfortable. And when you're uncomfortable all the time, it's like that in and of itself, as, as many people who uh, treat trauma as a profession understand that that really does a lot of damage to the brain uh, cortisol and adrenaline constantly being pumped into your system is is just does horrific things to your brain look at any first responder or combat veteran in combat situations um, their brains are just just they're they're distraught they've got impaired brain impaired thinking because of the level of those just those hormones alone then you've got all of the things that are the memories that are affecting the brain and it affects how you think so the the in the in the um, neurological sense a traumatized brain does function very differently than a non-traumatized brain there's a lot of amygdala activity there's a lot of um hippocampus activity and the, the amygdala is the section of the brain the fight flight or freeze section of the brain and when that's active all the time People can get really, really incredibly high levels of anxiety. They lose time and space. Um, the PTSD response, that's centered in that area. It's those two areas of the brain that get overactive. And that is a problem for your brain. I've, I've long said that the addict brain thinks differently than the non-addict brain. And for the layperson who's listening to this, I'm not going to go into a long explanation about which parts of the brain are functioning and how they're functioning and all that. But just understand that if you can imagine um, what it would be like if you didn't have any trauma in your life, you would feel probably peaceful and you probably think that. If you're an addict and you've been traumatized, you probably do think, you know, I wish I wasn't, um, hadn't been so traumatized. I wish that this would go away. I wish these thoughts would leave my brain so I wouldn't have to remember. And so can you imagine what happens in your brain when those neural pathways the the they're like little rivers of you know the channels of thought and and the neurons that get activated when you hear somebody speaking too harshly or you hear if you're a woman and you were molested by an an, uh, an older male when you were younger a an older male voice that has the same sound how horrific a reaction you can have to that and that neural pathway activity needs to change in recovery you've got to somehow get to a place where you can start to think differently feel differently and you're not going to do that if you're all whacked out on on uh, chemicals it's just not going to happen you're going to stay in that neural pathway that negative neural pathway activity so for you to be able to have some change in f brain activity functional activity and trying to calm 
your thoughts. Be peaceful. As I've said over and over again, the, 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 the real purpose of sobriety is to be peaceful. If you've been traumatized, it's hard to be peaceful. It's very hard to be peaceful. You, it's difficult for you to be able to, to somehow get to a place of peace. And, and so what's interesting is in rehab, people come in the door in rehab and they're a hot mess. And they're usually a hot mess for a week or two. And if you tell somebody 30 days in rehab, it sounds like a sentence, a jail sentence, but 30 days in rehab, what are, you, what are they doing in those 30 days? Well, they're in a place of peace. And there is no excitement. There's no craziness that they're used to. So what happens in rehab? They get into rehab and they start acting in overly dramatic ways, creating drama because they're so unused to peacefulness that it's kind of upsetting and dis disconcerting. So going into rehab, you're in a situation where you are peaceful. Things are calm. And it can be very unsettling and unnerving. So you go through those two weeks and, and you're starting to, the, the, you know, you wake up every day and there's just like, it's just another day. And I don't have stuff coming at me and I'm not high and I'm not needing to get high, I'm not threatened, I'm not being attacked, I'm safe. So two weeks go by and you start to see people kind of calm down a little bit. They start to get an understanding of that of that feeling of centeredness. All right, so now you got, what, another two weeks left. Well, it's only two weeks. So really the work of recovery um, and, and that healing of that addicted brain really can start to happen. You're on, maybe you're on some medications now that you weren't taking before, and they're helping. Maybe you're actually getting sleep. You're not, uh, you're not having hypervigilance and threat response activity going on in your body and your brain, so the cortisol and adrenaline is starting to now not be released. You're able to talk to people and communicate with people. And so those things kind of start to feel good. Well, that's when you really need to be there for 30 days beyond that. So 45 days usually is a, a much better place uh, as far as time. And that allows that, that addicted brain to now kind of like it's being fed food and water and there's no ingestion of chemicals that are psychoactive or psychotropic drugs that are, that are you know, narcotics that are uh, negatively affecting you. And now the emotions start coming. And that's when it really, that's the emotional part, right? The emotions start coming. And usually in rehabs, that's when you start hearing the stories or you start getting asked questions like, who am I? Or why did this all happen to me? Or why were they that way towards me and towards everybody else? And how come these bad things happen? And those questions, those philosophical questions are the ones that in rehab, your, your brain is now starting to come up with. So the healing of that addicted brain is about neuropathway activity. It's about um, non-hormonal uh, affected brain. It's calm. Threat response is not there. So how are you going to... You just tell me. How are you going to do that if you discharge after 30 days with no following, following no plan, going back to what you know, craziness, uh, scattered, 
crazy thinking. How do you do that and and get to sobriety? You can't. By my estimation, you can't. You have to have that same level of structure. The brain that is starting to kind of feel like, okay, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling calmer. Gets put back out on the street. Back into the situation where it was chaotic. Not good. Get into proximity of people who are also in that same place and way. And please, please get a good therapist. And I'm going to emphasize the word good. Somebody who you connect with and somebody that can help you work through the trauma. There are different types of therapy. There are different types of therapists. You need to find what works for you. Don't be lazy and just go and check the box, but go and do the hard work. Give yourself the chance to actually feel like you're doing some really hard stuff. And that will change your addicted brain from one to addicted to recovered. And recovered is not chaotic. As, as one person uh, was describing it to me, they got out and they felt like it, um, they'd been living in a circus before they went to rehab. And it was just insanity all the time. And all, it was, <laughs> all the, the chaotic things that had been going on, they realized, had been caused by their addiction and their crazy behavior. Once they went to rehab, all of that kind of stopped. And they used to blame everybody else for their problems. And the first week they were there, they were creating all these problems. And they, they told me that they almost got kicked out twice in the first week. Because they were so uncomfortable when there was nobody yelling, nobody threatening anybody. Nobody, it was like the danger was gone. And it was so disturbing to them that they started verbally assaulting the clients in the rehab. And it was like, hey, what are you doing? And And it was pretty quickly discovered and pointed out and also my client figured out that I was, this is what, this is what they said. I, I was so used to that environment of craziness that when I went in there, it felt like I was in some kind of a weird vacuum and because all the craziness was gone and I was like, well, that's, that's interesting. So when they got out of rehab, they went into this intensive therapeutic process of taking care of themselves which is something that had never happened previously. So they really started to work on taking care of themselves. And that resulted in a good, solid pathway to recovery. Two accidents along the way, a little slip here and there. Didn't go on for days and days, but small slip. And it was fine. So they were able to um, get into solid recovery because they were able to get away from the chaotic thinking once they were there and it was the understanding that hey i'm getting into the recovered thinking and now i'm not in a vacuum it's just like this is this is what peacefulness feels like and it was an odd strange feeling for them unfamiliar so how do you how do you recover the addicted brain well let's just not wash it in all kinds of stress hormones let's not expose it to all kinds of threat threatening situations or people Let's not expose it to chemicals that alter your reality. Let's not expose it to um, threatening relationships or abusive relationships. Let's get it to a place where it can be peaceful. And when you are in that 
place of peace, you also have to be able to have proximity to others who can also support you in that effort. Birds of a feather, right? And so if you're in recovery, birds of a feather would be your peers. And that would be the people that you were in recovery or are in recovery. And they've gone through this. So they know what they're looking at. They recognize. So how to, uh, how to heal the addicted brain? I think first is try to understand what's the goal. The goal is not to not use. The goal is to be peaceful. Not using creates that environment. But being peaceful is way more involved in that. And that's my thought on how you do it. So, go into a rehab. Follow the instructions. Don't fight. Give yourself a chance to be exposed to peacefulness. When you discharge, do what they tell you when you discharge. Go into sober living. Get a therapist. Get on medication. Stay on your medications. Get into community of recovery. And again, I don't care what it is, but just get into the recovery community. And live in a safe place. And there you go. And a year later, you'll be getting your one-year chip if you go to chip meetings. Or you'll just be celebrating one year of, of being clean or sober. And you'll feel awesome. So take my advice. Try that. See if it works. Well, that's it for this episode of Doc Shock, your addiction lifeguard. I really do hope that you got something out of this. And if you listen to my other podcasts, you can maybe learn something about different parts of recovery. Whether you're just starting to get into it, you're contemplating it, or you're well on the way. There's always something to learn. Read some books, watch some YouTube videos, listen to some podcasts. But if you're really in need of really strong help, first step get into good recovery, go to rehab, get a therapist, go to a meeting, do something. But don't let addiction take your life. It's not worth risking your life just to save your addiction. So get the help you need when you need it. So until next time, this is Doc Jock, your addiction lifeguard. Thanks for listening and listen to the next episode.